Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Light Unto My Path podcast. I'm your host, Howard Sides. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today, we're uh, continuing our study through the book of Revelation. We are about uh, three quarters of the way, maybe, through uh, chapter 21. We are in chapter 21. And uh, we've kind of had to jump around a little bit to, to cover everything. Uh, it, it mentions different portions of, in the descriptions, he'll go and describe one thing and then uh, go and jump into another and then come back and hit on that again. So we've been trying to tie it together and put it in some type of an order. Uh, now, currently what we're talking about uh, is uh, John's describing the structure of New Jerusalem. Uh, and in, the, in describing the structure of this New Jerusalem, there's three portions to that or three sections to that. Uh, he describes the walls, then he describes the gates, and then finally he describes the foundation. And that's where we are today. Uh, we're talking about this foundation, and he talks about this in verses 19 through 20. So if you want to join me, we'll read those verses and then get into uh, what it's talking about here. So Revelation chapter 21 and verse 19, it says, And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysoprasis, the eleventh a jacinth, and the twelfth an amethyst. Okay, so right off you see it's mentioning foundations, and then there are twelve different stones uh, that are mentioned here. So in that first portion of verse 19, we see he mentions, and the foundations of the wall of the city. The word foundations is plural, meaning more than one foundation. And uh I kind of know what he's talking about with the foundations there. Uh, you kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm into woodworking, so there's one thing that we know about doing that. Uh, if you use multiple foundations, if you will, in making what's called a river table, uh, that that's like this. Uh, I don't know if you call it a new fad of of, of woodworking or however it is, but people are taking and making these huge tables with. Uh, what looks like a river running down the middle of it. Well, you get that effect of a river by uh, you cut the boards that you're going to make the table out of in half and you either separate them uh, or, or you flip the square edges to the outside. So you've got like the uh, jagged, uneven sides of the, which are the outer portions of the boards when you when you cut the tree to make these tables. Uh, you push that to the inside and, and then you have to use this epoxy uh, to form a table to, to hold the two pieces together. And, and people have been uh, embellishing with it. Now, most epoxies are already clear color. Uh, and you can add pigments to it to make it different colors. Uh, you can add different items into it. Uh, people have been uh, pouring tables with uh, all types of mementos, baseballs, or, or some kind of memorabilia or some kind of decoration in it. Uh, I've even seen a guy make a, a river table with putting LED lights inside of it uh you can do just about anything with these tables but but the key here about talking about these multiple foundations 
and and these pouring of these river tables when you use epoxy uh you you can't just pour like a a, a two inch deep pocket of epoxy and then just let it dry you have to pour it in stages uh you pour the bottom layer you let it hardened and you pour another layer let it harden pour another layer let it harden all the way to the top and that gives you the best strongest um adherence and, and the most appealing effect it, it just works better that way and and so that's what it's talking about here is multiple foundations and by what it's talking about and what it's describing here and uh basically based on the naming of 12 stones associated with each foundation we can determine that there will be 12 individual foundations beneath the walls and gates of new jerusalem i believe by what it's describing there is that each foundation is made of one type of stone or one stone uh with and, and here's the other word garnished uh garnished is the greek word cosmio and cosmio comes from another word, which is cosmos. Now, if you've been a Bible student for very long at all, uh, you've heard this term cosmos, and that's describing the created world. A cosmos, by definition, means an orderly arrangement that is decoration associated with the world. And that's what it is. I mean, God created this world. Uh, I may have mentioned it before, you know, I like the mountains. My wife likes the beach. So we kind of, uh, we're in a perfect state for that. North Carolina has a coast and it has great mountains in, uh, in the Grandfather Mountain and in Boone, North Carolina, in Asheville, uh, in uh, the Appalachian Trail. And we're right in the middle of it. We live, uh, if you don't know anything about North Carolina, we live in Randolph County right near Asheboro. We're right smack in the middle of the state. So it's two hours to either one, two hours to the beach, two hours to the mountains. So it's not a very long travel uh, time to, to reach either one of them. And, and to go out there uh, in the mountains, I love it when it snows. Uh, I love to be up in some of them cabins up in those mountains. We rent it for the whole entire family, which is 20 plus people, sometimes 30 people. So you're talking about a pretty big place. And uh, most of those places are way up high in the mountains. So you can go out on the deck out on the porch you can look out on windows and see miles out around these different hills and, and the trees or the different uh viewpoints uh same thing at the beach uh it, it's flat out over the water so you, you can see forever now there's nothing out there but water but oh man if you're out there when the sun's first coming up i love it when, when we uh were there early in the morning i like to go out and walk on the beach um there's not much going on not many people out there and just watch that sun come up over the ocean <clears throat> i'm telling you man it's just it's beautiful god created a beautiful uh creation when he made this world and that's what cosmos is it's an orderly arrangement that totally defies what uh evolution is trying to teach that it's cosmos in that it's chaos no chaos does not come out of cosmos cosmos by by definition is the word orderly arrangement the sun is where it is because god put it there the moon does what it does because god commanded it to do that uh the stars are where they are god didn't go out there and just fling the stars out and they wherever they landed that's where he put them he placed each one of them stars they have a a reason for being where they are so that's that's the cosmos part of it now here where it's talking about garnished is the word cosmio 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 
And it means to put in proper order, just like cosmos, but it means to decorate uh, specifically to snuff. Uh, now, what it means by to snuff there is talking about that wick in those candles uh, and, and in the uh, the candlestick that was in the tabernacle. When God uh, gave Moses the instructions on building the tabernacle and making that candlestick, and, and listen, it's fabulous when you look at the description of that thing. I, I, I We did a Sunday school class all on the tabernacle. I may go back and uh, hit that in a future podcast just the the symbology in that thing is just overwhelming it's all pointing to christ everything about it but that candlestick it was made from one piece of of gold one solid piece of gold and it was beaten out into the shape that it had where it had the seven arms and that sort of thing uh the the stand that it's on and it had the little bowls that held the oil and it had intricately patterned uh, patterns of designs on it of uh i think it was uh Oh, what was it like little uh, pomegranates and things like that out of one solid piece of gold and you think man who in the world would have the talent to do that listen the bible even says god gave the talent to uh to, i think it was two two people by name to do all of this intricate work god gives you the tools to do what he wants done he's not just turning this thing over and saying hey i want this done figure it out god doesn't leave it uh to purpose and chance and, and you know why it's for good reason because eventually, you know, God made us smart enough. We can figure some things out on our own. But once we do, what happens? Pride gets in the way. Look what I did, right? Look what I did. If God laid it out and said, you're going to make this out of this, and you're going to shape it like this, you're going to make this many number of items, and it's going to look like this, and I want you to make it this deep and this wide and this tall and all of this sort of thing. <clears throat> well, when you make it, <laughs> what can you say? You did it exactly how he said to do it, and that's that. And, and I believe that's why God does things that way. So here, the, the word cosmos, an orderly arrangement that is decoration. It's something already done. Cosmio is to put it in a proper order and to decorate. It, it's the act of doing it. So, <coughs> excuse me there. He's saying we're garnished. In other words, they're being decorated or were decorated with all manner of precious stones. And, and that's key there. Uh, to note that it's not saying that these foundations are uh, um, solid stones. And I need to make a note of that. This is not saying that these foundations are made of solid stones, but rather they are decorated or garnished, as it is, with these stones. There we go. All right. <laughs> Thank you for your patience while I'm adding these notes. Uh, and that's the fun thing about this. I'll go back and I'll do this again, and I'll do it in Sunday school class because uh, the podcast is ahead of the Sunday school class quite a ways now. <laughs> but uh, even then, I'll go back. I'll even add some more notes. There'll be some stuff that they hear in Sunday school class that, that we're not getting on the podcast, but you're hearing it first, so that's just the way it is. All right. Uh, now, the, the next phrase here. It uh, is all manner. Uh, he mentions were garnished, and then he says with all manner. Now, all manner is the Greek word pas, P-A-S, meaning all, any, every, or the whole. That's what the word pas means. So this would suggest that God chose the best of the best of all the beautiful stones he placed upon the earth to decorate New Jerusalem. Now, let me comment on where I say about upon the earth. Now, remember, when New Jerusalem is mentioned here, 
the earth is gone. It's been destroyed. Okay? But the key to that is, if you go back and you remember in the, in the Gospels, when Jesus Christ, uh, his ascension, his crucifixion was uh, imminent, he, he tells them, he said, uh, you know, you can't go where I'm going. I'm paraphrasing this. He says, uh, but I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And in the fact that when he goes and he says, uh, prepare a place, it's not that this is mentioning something that's going to take place in the future uh, when he finds time to do it uh, or something like that. He's talking about going to work on it right then. And we've mentioned it several times before about, you know, if he created the earth and, and the ma magnificent beauty this thing has in six days, what must this new Jerusalem be like? Think about that for a minute. He's been working on New Jerusalem for almost, what, well, for over 2,000 years now, or almost 2,000 years now. That That's incredible. <laughs> Think about the beauty of that. And poor John, uh, he's tasked with trying to describe this thing to us. So, uh, with all manner, I think, I think what happens here is that God is using stones from our earth now. And the reason being is that uh, when we see them, we'll recognize them. Not for the fact, oh, now I know that's an emerald. Uh, not for anything of that, but but it's a beauty of something that he had created. It's not the memory of what happened to the world, but it's the memory of what he did create. Okay, that's just what it means to me. There's nothing in here that says that's why he uses those stones. He may not use stones from the earth. He may create these stones all on his own. And to be honest, let's face it, when we get to the gates, uh, or if you remember when we talked about the gates, we already talked about the gates. Uh, each one's fashioned from one solid pearl. Uh, have you ever heard of anything like that on the face of the earth? So, no, you haven't. Uh, nothing that big. So, you know, it's possible these stones come from somewhere else. God just makes them the way he made everything else. But I, I just think if Christ is working on it now, they probably come from the earth. I don't know that for a fact, but that, that's just my assumption, okay? That's what I think. Now, here's a question. There's 12 stones. So are the 12 stones a representation of the 12 tribes or something different? And again, there's always an, uh, an attempt when you see the number 12 to try and associate it with the 12 tribes of Israel. But here, <clears throat> uh, there, there's not a representation in that it represents the 12 tribes of Israel, but, but because of two reasons. Number one, uh, the connection of the Hebrew names of the 12 stones in the high priest's breastplate and the Greek names here of the stones do not match. Now, what I mean by that is if you go back to the history of the tabernacle when God gave them the order of how to make that stuff, well, he also gave them directions on the high priest's clothing. And part of the high priest's clothing was that breastplate that hung on his chest. And on that breastplate, he had 12 stones. Each stone had the name etched in top in the top of it of one of the 12 tribes. So those stones represented the 12 tribes. Now, the names of those 12 stones and even the colors associated with them are different from the words here. Um, eight of the stones now, they are the same. But there are four uh, who are words that are not even used in the Hebrew. Also, the order of the names are not the same as well. Um, Dr. Moffat, who's uh, a scholar, suggests 
that the difference reflects that the old covenant confined the privilege of direct fellowship with God to the high priest. But in the new city, New, new Jerusalem, the privilege will belong to all the people of God. I don't know if that's what that difference reflects, but it, it's very clear that with the gates being open, uh, if you're there, you belong there. All right. Now, also, the foundations, the, the second reason that it can't be associated specifically with the 12 tribes of Israel is that the foundations are named according to the 12 apostles and not the 12 tribes. The names of the 12 tribes are above the 12 gates. That, that, so the tribes are associated with the gates, whereas the 12 apostles are associated with the foundation. So there may not even be a connection between the two lists of the 12 stones. Uh, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of attempt by many to uh, associate these 12 Greek stones in the Greek Revelation 21 with the 12 stones mentioned back in Exodus and, and uh, all that in, in the instructions for the breastplate, making of the breastplate and that sort of thing. And again, uh, there's no possible way of identifying these stones that correspond to each apostle because uh, many of these the, the mentions the name of a stone that we don't even really know what it is. Uh, we already have the is, instance of, uh, of the word Jasper. Uh, now, the Jasper today is like a, uh, um, I want to say a yellowish copper, coppery color stone. Uh, but by the description in the Bible, what it's referring to must be a diamond. Uh, number one, because of the hardness. Number two, because of the clarity. You can see right through it. Well, if you hold up a Jasper and try and look through it, you'll kind of see what I mean. So there's been a, uh, the naming of these stones uh, or the identification has uh, changed, I guess you'd say, is, is a better way of describing it. I don't know how else to say it. Now, while we cannot align the stones with an individual apostle, now, you, you could try that all day long. <laughs> oh, this stone represents this apostle. Well, we don't know that. It doesn't tell us anything about the connection there. It just says there's 12 stones and there's 12 apostles. Uh, we can align the stones with the apostles, but we can be sure that God will have chosen the foundation stones and placed them in a specific order to achieve a visually stunning result. Okay? And in doing that, it should remind us uh, of something from the Old Testament, and I'm referring to the rainbow. Now, if you remember back in Genesis chapter 9, uh, verses 12 through 17, God made this promise with this rainbow. And he says uh, there, and God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. In other words, for continuing generations, all through, through the end of time. Verse 13, I do set my bow in the cloud, rainbow and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth and it shall come to pass when i bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud and i will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh that does not say in that verse there will be no more floods what does it say the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Verse 16, and the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Now several commentators offer 
up uh, this the John's vision of the foundations of different colored stones is a fulfillment of Isaiah's vision in Isaiah 54 verses 11 and 12. And there it says, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. Now, this doesn't mention 12 different stones. It doesn't mention um, the, the foundations made of anything other than sapphires. So I don't know about that connection there, but I put it out there for you just, just in case it is uh, a connection to it. And maybe you can find that. I, I'm not sure that's what it is. Uh, but also, Andrew Telford, in his book, in describing this city, he said, and I quote, This glorious city is lighted up as you look at it from afar. It must be a beautiful city, planned by God, decorated by God, illuminated by God. Everything built by God is the most splendid of its kind. Noah's Ark, Solomon's Temple, the Christian Church. Ye are God's building. Some cities are beautiful. I have seen a lot of them, London and its palaces, Edinburgh and its castles. The New Jerusalem surpasses them all. It had the glory of God in it. Actually, let me rephrase that. It has. I'm not sure that was spell check or what. <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, it is perfect. No sin there. No sa a Satan. No Adam natures. No sinners. End quote. Okay, so that kind of breaks down uh, the first part of the verse. Now we're going to get into these different foundations uh, and these stones and try some way to give you a, an accurate description. I, I know it's going to be hard because I'm going to be honest with you. Some of these stones, again, they're, they're not identifiable. Uh, and basically the colors we associate with them um, may most of the time be speculation. Okay. Um, but I took like the uh, general description and ran. I, uh, listen, I've got like something uh, near 20 or 30 different uh, common commentation, commentators, <laughs> commentaries, sorry, uh, that I try and associate it with to, to make sure that, that it is an accurate. And I'm not saying I'm t taking what I uh, uh, study and base it on what man thinks. It should all totally be based on what God thinks. I know. And uh, some people think, you know, we just need the Bible and nothing else. But it's sometimes good to have a commentary. If, if you get into a place and you just don't really know um, what it's talking about. And sometimes they have the historic background to give you the information you need. So that, that's why we're going to go through this. And, and I'm just going to mention it. I'm not saying this is in fact what it is. Okay. But maybe it'll help you understand a little better. Okay. All right. So uh, the first foundation here, verse uh, 19, uh, we see the first foundation was Jasper. The first foundation was Jasper. Now, Jasper is symbolic for the glory of God. Jasper is believed to be uh, the diamond of today. Uh, we just mentioned that a, a while ago. Now, this stone, the Jasper stone, is mentioned as being on the high priest's breastplate. And in that breastplate, it represents the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. So that's the Jasper. Uh, the second is a sapphire. Uh, now, the sapphire is symbolic of heavenly mindedness due to its brilliant blue color, uh, which blue represents heaven. 
this stone is very similar in hardness to the diamond. It is a hard uh, stone. Some scholars believe this stone uh, is what today we call the lapis lazuli, L-A-P-I-S-L-A-Z-U-L-I, lapis lazuli, uh, which is a medium blue uh, with gold veins running through it. But passages from Exodus to Ezekiel clearly describe the stone we call a sapphire today, that of a medium to dark blue. Um, and let's see, let me find those. Okay, there's one in Exodus chapter 24, verse 10. It says, <clears throat> excuse me. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness clearness. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 26, and above the firmament there was over their heads, uh, was the that was over their heads, was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man above upon it. Then in Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 1, then I looked and behold in the firmament there was above the head of the cherubims there appeared over them, as it were, a sapphire stone as the appearance of the likeness of a throne. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, based on those descriptions there and in the Old Testament, we're describing that that sapphire is cl very close to what we call a sapphire stone today. Um, sometimes people reach and, and, I, and I think what some of these scholars are reaching for, in my opinion, that lapis lazuli stone. Uh, it's a medium blue with gold veins, so they, they see the gold veins run through it. Well, uh, gold always represents God, so this must be the stone it's talking about. I, and that may not be what they're going for, but that, that, that's kind of my hunch there. But a sapphire is a sapphire, is a sapphire. <laughs> okay. Now, this stone, the sapphire, it is mentioned also, again, as being on the uh, high priest's breastplate, and it represents the tribe of Issachar. <clears throat> The sapphire represents Issachar. Uh, the third stone is the Chalcedony. Uh, Chalcedony. The word Chalcedon is an old name for Turkey, the country Turkey, not the bird. Uh, today, it is the name of a town near Byzantium. And uh, the stone itself is an uncrystallized, translucent variety of quartz. It has a light blue color with clear streaks sometimes appearing in it. It is believed that this is the stone referred to in the Old Testament as carbuncle. And if so, it would have represented the tribe of Levi. The ancient Roman writer Pliny, when speaking of carbuncles, called them uh, chalcedonies. So there's the connection of why they think that might be what that is. Uh, so Chalcedony is not mentioned in the Old Testament, but Carbuncle is. And as Pliny describes it, uh, a Roman writer, uh, he connects those two words. So if that's true, uh, this word represents the tribe of Levi. Tribe of Levi. Uh, now the fourth stone is an emerald. Okay. Uh, this is symbolic of vigor and liveliness. Uh, you remember the little um, books we used to get uh, years and years and years ago? Uh, when we did uh, vacation Bible school, um, I forget what they call them things, but it had the five colors in it. 
uh, it had it had uh, what was it? Let's see, it had red for the blood of Jesus Christ. It had black for sin. It had white for when He saves us, He makes us white as sin. It had blue for heaven, and it had green for growth. Uh, so, if something's growing, uh, it has vigor. It has liveliness. It is alive. So that, there's the connection of the two. Now, of course, an emerald, we know what an emerald looks like. It's like a dark green. It's a brilliant green, really. Uh, now, while this stone can be found in several places, it is agreed that the best ones come from the east. Um, in saying the east, I'm not sure if that means the Middle East or the Far East or what, but they come the, mo the best come from the east, and I, I'm thinking it's the Far East. Uh, but this stone is mentioned as being on the high priest's breastplate, and it represents the tribe of Judah. The emerald represents the tribe of Judah. Uh, the fifth stone is the sardonyx. But I'm going to tell you what. Uh, we are running out of time. And so, yeah, I've only got less than a minute. So we'll stop right there and just pick up on the fifth stone and the next podcast and continue on through the description and association of what's uh, being said here. Okay. All right. Well, I, ho I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, again, remember, pray for me and pray for each of the other um, people that may listen or may be approached by this podcast, whatever it is. Uh, I, look, I look today at there's 14 countries represented by, uh, as, as listening one time or another on this podcast. It's That's mind blowing to me. I don't know how many individual people there are, but that's how many different countries people from those countries have listened. That's, that's amazing. Uh, so pray for them. Uh, again, thank you for listening. God bless you and have a wonderful day.